This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice. www.onf.ie Hello, good morning and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock on this lovely Saturday morning. Bright for most of the day, dry for most of the day, so I hope this finds you well. Thanks to Brian Redmond for the last two hours. This morning on The Bottom Line, all our stories are fairly well dominated by COVID as we look to see how businesses and business sectors are faring and adapting. We speak to a business owner of a Kilkenny-based event management company about what the future looks like in this sector, which has almost been totally locked down since the pandemic began. As retail outlets locked down for so long are back in business, shoplifters and scammers are also coming out of lockdown. We'll be talking to members of Carlow Business Watch, who this morning are out and about in Carlow Town, seeking to sign up new members and expand their membership. And we'll be talking health and safety with Emer Gaffney of Carrick Safety Consultants in advance of a training course in Kilkenny next week for business owners and managers planning on a return to the office. But first, before we came on air, I spoke with Samantha McCochran, business editor of the Sunday Independent, about some of the business stories that caught her eye over the last seven days. I started by putting it to her that the biggest business story over the last few days was undoubtedly the threat posed from a business point of view and from a public safety point of view by the Delta variant of COVID. And we talked about the threat it poses to the reopening of indoor dining and hospitality in pubs and restaurants slated to take place at the start of July, but now quite uncertain. Well, it's definitely becoming more uncertain um, as the days and even the hours go by. The the, the message very much is um, that two to three week delay might be the best course of action from a health perspective. As you said there, the Delta variant is going to be kind of the the main variant in Ireland that's causing havoc in the UK. And there's basically this race to get people vaccinated, especially younger people. And then some people in their 60s who aren't vaccinated, get them vaccinated over another two to three weeks, then reopen, which is which makes perfect sense, except if you're a business that spends a fortune or is about to spend a fortune on your reopening. So that's what the pub and the restaurants are really worried about. Outdoor areas, about 4,000 um, pubs have, have started, you know, selling drinks outdoors. But there's about 3,500 uh, hospitality outlets that still haven't opened their doors. They're waiting with the anxiety to see what happens. They're talking about the drinks are in the same. Six million points is being brewed for reopening. It's a huge logistical exercise, and if it's not going to happen on the 5th, when is it going to happen? We need to know. Yeah, and the government have probably got the the spectre of the past experience that they had in the run into Christmas, whereby as cases skyrocketed in January, uh, they got the blame for, for kind of bottling it when it came to keeping people indoors. That must be at the back of their minds again. Yeah, like in a way, like they can't win. I mean, Ireland has had a very severe lockdown as uh, businesses will tell you in aviation and hospitality and several other retail. And there's another one that's, that can certainly tell you about how strict our lockdown has been. So, yeah, so the other one, again, is, is, is aviation. That's another one that could be at risk. 19th of July is the day when we're supposed to sort of join the rest of the EU with our sort of green travel documents, our digital kind of passports for COVID. But again, that looks like if it if they can push it out a bit further, 
you know, they might be in a better position. So, look, it seems, you know, nobody wants to jump the gun, but at the same time, it's summer, people want to get out, they want to have a few drinks. Ireland has been kind of lucky so far with the weather on and off. You know, it, 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 any rain or all those pubs and restaurants that are reopening have no business probably, a lot of them, because of the just the, the, the elements. And then anybody who wants to travel... That's a whole other, you know, um, issue. Lots of people will have held off travelling until the 19th of July. Again, that's just now in balance. And, um, you know, the, the Air Dublin Airport, Air Lingus, all those workers have been really hard hit. Uh, so it's, it's, it's just difficult news and a difficult few days for them to wait and see what the ultimate decision is. Yeah, now over the last couple of days, the government have been trying to keep it calm and saying, look, we'll make a decision next week. We'll do it based on the data. But when we're when we're looking at a possible reopening for hospitality of Monday week, um, telling businesses next Wednesday or Thursday who have to restock and replenish their goods if they're a restaurant or a pub, etc., that's not pretty feasible. Big losses and big calls to be made. Yeah, um, the Restaurants Association of Ireland was saying that for your average restaurant, it's about twenty thousand euro to restock a restaurant uh, for full business, and a lot of businesses haven't reopened. And you know they start basically starting from scratch because it's been so many months um, since since full business was in action. Even if you have had an open outdoor area uh, business, you still won't have the full selection of stock because it would probably be a fraction of your normal kind of business um, abilities. So it does seem unfair that it's this level of kind of brinkmanship right up to the nearly the last minute. And, and this is what the industry is calling for. I'm not sure why they leave it so late, but maybe, you know, to, to some extent, the message is sort of slightly start slowly coming out and we kind of come to accept that it's going to be delayed but as for what's going to happen um, it's, it's not good news for you know any business that's waiting you know hanging a kind of on a thread to see whether or not they're actually going to be back in action it won't give them very much time at all Yeah and tourism and hospitality looks to be perhaps the biggest business sector impacted by Covid really when you, when you include everything from aviation to restaurants to hotels and so on it's going to take a long time to recover it is, yeah. I mean, um, like we have kind of an interesting enough, um, you know, drinks industry uh, story at the week in, in Sunday's paper. I mean, look, you know, there's a lot of investment waiting to go into the sector, and you know, we've we've had a few stories like that. You know, that there are quite a lot of um, publicans and and hotel owners that really want to invest, and that's great news. But there are going to be some that are are, are left behind. So, like. Um, it's, there's, there's this kind of a suspicion that there's going to be quite a lot of insolvencies when things do get back up and running and some businesses that have kind of kept going on the back of various uh, government schemes when it comes to the next few months it's make or break really so as you said there like hospitality 100% affected they will be depending on the Irish market over the summer but another parts of the seasons when you know Irish kids are back at school and they maybe would have appealed to you know maybe slightly older travellers coming from Britain or from Europe like that all is in the balance because nobody's sure how this is going to play out and uh, particularly aviation like um, there's a real strain and stress among aviation families people who have you know husband and wife maybe a pilot and a you know, um, uh, an air hostess, yeah, you know, or air host, you know, that, that those kind of families are absolutely in dire straits because, you know, some of them just can't even pay mortgages. It's, it's been a very, very stressful time for people. And I just think the fact that there isn't 
the uh, opportunity to have uh, you know the clarity on the end of when this is going to be it just adds the stress for people. Yeah, now um, looking back over a, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking on the programme about how there was an opportunity Ireland was a big destination for particularly North American travellers that still wanted to come here uh, in 2021, but it looks like we're going to miss that boat this year. Um, you know, international travel yeah. probably not going to open in time. Yeah, I mean, um, the long haul travel generally has quite a long lead in. So um, the short hops, the kind of weekends, you get a fairly short lead in UK visitors, European visitors who maybe just kind of book and maybe a few weeks ahead. Whereas those longer haul trips, usually is a lot of planning involved, um, maybe maybe several months out or even longer uh, because of the cost. Um, so I think like a lot of those tra- travellers actually put off from, you know, 2020, they put it off to 2021. At this stage, would you commit to uh, coming here, you know, if mm. with that big an investment? Possibly not. So again, it, you know, there's a lot of layers to this and um, a lot of that will have to play out over the next few months and just see how badly affected various um, businesses are by this. Yeah, now, over the years, we've discussed uh, the changes in the media and it all seemed to be going one direction towards uh, the social media giants, Google, Facebook uh, and so on. But uh, the Reuters digital news report out during the week and it shows a bit of a a bounce in the traditional media such as ours, uh, radio, your own, the newspaper uh, area and television. Yeah, so... um this research is carried out by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland and, and, and DCU, so fairly robust research, and um, it, so, it showed that the level of public trust in news uh, increased over the past year, and Ireland actually doing quite well. Um, about 53% of consumers having positive view um, towards their trust of the news media, and that's kind of quite a bit higher than in a lot of uh, other countries. Um, you know, in, in the UK, it's only about 37%, and similar levels of trust in, in, in America. Um, the EU is a bit higher than America, about 45%, but we're well ahead at 53%, so that's good news. Um, I mean, I think anyone following, uh, you know, the Brexit campaigns or the um, or, or the US um, presidential elections will have seen how polemic, you know, that some media can be, you know. Mm. Um, I'm sure, you know, in America, it's kind of one or the other. You're either... Or, you know, so it's Fox News or your CNN, there's two kind of different takes on the whole thing. There's very little in between. And I think in Ireland, you know, there will be a view that there's a, a more balanced kind of take on the news. I know not everyone's a fan of mainstream media, but there is a view that, you know, you get a more kind of an attempt at straighter news reporting than you might get in some of these other countries. So that's good news. And also the fact uh, that sort of traditional uh, media gets a bit of a bashing sometimes, but um, it is where people do have a lot of faith in what they're hearing, rather than, I suppose, on social media, which, as everyone knows, can you know be less reliable depending on where, where you're getting the information from. Yeah, and encouragingly for organisations uh, like yours and indeed ours, a, a bigger um, willingness among Irish people than elsewhere to pay for news content. Still not the majority of people, but people are getting used to the idea. Yeah, like I think um, there has been a shift there. That was kind of like for the likes of us in, in, in Sunday Independent and our group. That was a big decision some years ago. You know, at one point it looked like it had to be free. And I mean, there is very good quality news out there from the, say, broadcaster RTE. So that's free. So it's just like you have to say, well, will they pay for news mm. that, uh, it, it, you know, that is free elsewhere? But so I think 
media groups have come up with ways of adding value, um, you know, making what they have something different, new insights, exclusive stories, all that type of thing, maybe different types of interviews, things that are worth paying for. And then, of course, we have changed a little bit in our mentality with subscribing for Netflix, subscribing for Spotify, whatever people pay for it. The idea of actually paying for material has become a little bit more part of our thinking. So I think for people who, you know, value quality news, someone has to pay for it. And uh, I think there's a little bit of a maybe coming together of that, making sense for people, which is good news for those of us in the industry. And hopefully means that we can, there's a better, you know, level of, 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 of media available in the country as well. Yeah, now closely associated with the media is the whole PR, uh, PR industry. And most people, when they get into trouble, uh, are inclined to reach for a PR representative. But um, PR millionaire, uh, uh, Declan Kelly had a bit of a, a horrible week, really, which will impact on his business. Yeah, well, um, Declan Kelly is one of those uh, Irish people who's done fantastically well on the world stage, advisor to the Clintons. Um, his company, Teneo, uh, has been a, like a massive player internationally in PR advice to the likes of Coca-Cola, some of the biggest companies in the world. And he's had a a rather spectacular fall from grace in the last few days and um, the Financial Times went big on a story about him being at a charity event he's a board member of Global Citizen which is a poverty charity uh, he apparently was very drunk at this event and he made a statement himself saying he deeply deeply regretted becoming inebriated at the event and behaving inappropriately towards um, some men and women at the event so he was uh, removed from the board of Global Citizen and he is taking a bit of a step back from some of his responsibilities and Teneo he's sworn off drink he is not going to drink again is, is getting counselling uh, but it is a very high profile um uh, series of events. It's covered, as I said, unusually enough maybe the FT to go for sort of a scandal like this but it was uh, in the US papers as well so it's um, kind of on both sides of uh, the, the, the world it's getting quite a lot of coverage because he is somebody who, who was you know, very seen as a real problem solver, somebody who's got the most fantastic communication skills and crises is what he he, uh, he advises people on and he's, he's going to need to take some of that advice himself now. Yeah, salutary lesson for, for those of us who haven't been at a drinks reception or an outdoor celebration of any <laughs> sort for quite some yeah. time. Glasses of water. Glasses of water, indeed. Uh, good advice from Samantha McCochran, uh, business editor of the Sunday Independent. Coming up next, we'll be talking to Glenn Tector of Sonics Entertainment about how his business has been impacted by COVID. At the heart of it all, KCLR. Casey Lauren D, John Purcell with you on the bottom line. It's almost exactly 25 minutes past nine o'clock. Now, um, <clears throat> back before COVID, there was nothing like a good corporate event or a good event of any type in the outdoors or on the in in the indoor indoors race nights bouncy castles you name it children's parties and so on uh, a man who built a very good business around all that stuff uh, was is glenn tector who ran a company runs a company i should say called sonics entertainment but glenn uh, good morning to you you've been very impacted by covid I'm, I'm not gone yet, John. I'm not no, gone sorry, yet. I'm, I'm <laughs> mixing my tenses. But talk to us before COVID. I mean, you employed a lot of people. Yeah, before COVID, we would have been one of the largest live event companies inside the country um, for nighttime entertainment, supplying corporates with fun casino nights, race nights, 
supplying bands and DJs if they were doing an event. Then for family days, we would have been number one in the country where we would have gone in and done a family day for a company. Um, so a corporate client would hire us. We would load up on Friday, travel up to the venue on Saturday, get have the venue sorted, bring in all the generators, three or four vans, bouncy castles, marquees, barbecues. Thousand kids come in and parents, and we entertain them all. Yeah, and like you're dealing with, you're talking big companies and big blue chip companies. We uh, we were, as I said, uh, and we are still dealing with them on a small scale. We would have dealt with Facebook, Google, Boston Scientific, Workshop, and Dome. All a lot of top companies in in Ireland. Uh, the top one hundred companies in Ireland, we would have had some dealings with nearly every single one at some stage in in our in our lifetime, basically. Yeah, and you were providing significant employment before COVID came along and devastated everything. How many people did you have on the books? At peak, we would have employed and paid one hundred and fifty people, and uh, between bands, DJs, space painters, balloon modelers, staff. Yeah. Days all that van drivers. Um, it was a large-scale operation. It was a very intense large-scale operation, uh, especially at Christmas time. That's when our peak was because we would have done Christmas parties and if people in Kilkenny, they would know the Kilkenny Arms Hotel would have been the longest-running uh, Christmas party in, in the southeast, if not in Ireland. We've done there for nearly 16, 17 years. We ran the entertainment there. Thousands of people went through it every Christmas and we would have done that in other um, hotels around the country and also for corporates Is it fair to say your business was devastated? Uh, yeah, completely decimated and devastated. Um, we were a live events company and it, it COVID loves live events, loves social. That's what COVID loves. Um, and that's what we were. It was all intense social interaction is what we did between. We would have had maybe a thousand kids on site at an event, all mixing together, all going down site. That can't happen there at mm. all. We can't do casinos because people are around tables, people dancing. We're like a nightclub. It's we draw people in. Yeah, we're down approximately ninety eight percent of our revenue. Wow! It, the figures came back and it was ninety eight percent of our revenue. We were down. Reinvented, and that's what we're doing at the moment. Yeah, you're nothing if not resilient. Um, you know, we spoke <laughs> yeah. before about insurance and the challenge that that. Uh, poses and posed yeah, still, um, does. still does and I'm sure even probably more difficult but how are you going to build back Glenn because Covid hasn't gone away and uh, if Covid was a person you'd be running some of their favourite events what are you going to do for the COVID, future? Covid is around and Covid is here to stay um, Covid is not going to go away and I think people need to realise this it's, it's not going to go away with the vaccine it's always going to be there and it's about working around it especially the Delta variant that's coming in now as well what we did is we, all our inflatables that we had were more so corporate inflatables. So we sold a lot of our inflatables last year and we got in smaller ones and we started renting out to the domestic market. And thanks to the people of Kilkenny and the surrounding counties, they, they bought into us and they, they were hiring off us. We also started doing small little weddings, very, very small little weddings. But the unique touches that we had, because we, we've done all these large scale events and we had set up a really high end event company in 2019 called Zen Events. That was another one of our companies that just had won one really high-end event and then COVID shut that down because that's what it did. But we've been doing small little weddings. We've also been doing small little parties for families as well, such as glamping, putting up glamping tents. 
Last year as well, we ran the Kilkenny Pumpkin Picking Festival and we ran the Santa the Kilkenny Ormond Hotel, which was great because we started to get a bit of revenue in because as an event company, we're not entitled to the CRSS grant at all. Mm. Uh, we're deemed ineligible at all, so th- there is no grant for us. Talk so to me about that. Why is that? Why is there no assistance? Because it's something that many musicians and, and performers are feeling uh, kind of yeah, left we, out we, in the cold. Like, we, we have been. Um, we, we were classified as a... The way they looked at it was, we, we do have a rateable premises. We have a little small party shop. But the main part of our business was going to a venue and setting up the equipment in the venue. So the CRS grant scheme was for people who would actually shut down physically and couldn't allow people onto their premises, such as hairdressers, pubs, nightclubs. And if they are open and if they are operating at a reduced capacity, they were still able to to get the CRSS grant. We're not eligible for that because our venue as such changes around the country. It's not a set venue that people come to. Yeah. So that's why we were ineligible. But all of them companies, there is companies in Kilkenny and um, well-known companies who are the exact same as well. They're not eligible for it. Tough a lot times. Of um, are not eligible for it as well. Yeah. Uh, and AV technicians and uh, audiovisual companies, other event companies, none of us are eligible for it. And, and the Event Industry Association of Ireland, who we're working with at the moment, are looking to try get a grant for us because most of us, it's 98 to 99% of our business is gone. We, we're like, there's no conferences either as yeah. well. So I, we would have done team building live events. Um, we, we never went down the online route. We did one or two, but it's not us. Yeah, talk to us about what the future for that whole corporate area is, because you mentioned the Facebooks and the Googles and so on. Most of their staff are actually working from home, so they're not going to come into the office for a poker yeah. night or whatever. So no, they're not. What's the niche in that market now? There's a big problem in, in, in the corporate world at the moment, because most people used to work in an office, so they would sit down in the canteen or go out with their colleagues and sit down and have a bite to eat, and they would discuss what would be happening. That is not happening anymore. And companies, and we've been in discussion with some of our clients, and they're looking at getting their staff back in on site in September and October in different venues. And they're going, what can we do to integrate staff back inside it? And this is going to be the big problem. It's nearly a year and a half since people have sat down in offices in a lot of the major players around. Um, and it's how to get them actually sitting down, chatting to each other. And we've been planning events, and we've all done one in December for a client in Kilkenny, where we actually sat up a little mini festival, and it was 15 people at a time, because that's what the rules, and there was music going on, and there was food, and they actually had to sit down and chat with each other. Mm. There's also going to be the hybrid events as well, because some of the companies in Ireland are now allowing their staff to work from home, and they don't have to come into the office. So it's about integrating the staff that are at home and the staff that are on site. So when you do a team build, which they will want to do is, how do you get those people to get involved in the online and also the people that are actually on site as well? And we've done one or two trial events where they were like a game master online controlling the team in the area that we were doing a treasure hunt. So Mm. this is one of the products that we're going to be launching in September and October and also the social integration event this is the, is the thing that we're going to be launching as well in September and as I said we did it in December it worked extremely well for our company Yeah, How but do you keep your mojo going Glenn when your business is down 98% give us a few tips because I mean that's the that's the brink of 
yeah, extinction. It is. It, no, it's it's devastating. Um, I was nearly in tears um, at times. But one of the great things, um, support from other businesses and support from other people gives you that little bit of lifting. And there will be people out there who are nice to you and understand. And it's, it's chatting to them and going, yeah, look, I'm having a tough time. It's also chatting as well because if you suffer in silence, it's not going to do you any good. Like, I'm a performer. That's what I do. <clears throat> it's part of my character. That is part of my mojo. I'm an outgoing character. The last time I was on stage was nearly 19 months ago. Like, I'm an MC. I get up on stage. I love getting up on stage. That's what I live for um, when I do events. I love getting up on stage and being that person who's controlling everything. So 2019 was the last time I got up on stage. And there is other people out there who who have really, really suffered mentally in their head. And it's about getting out there, getting routine in one of the things that I'm doing. I have really good family support as well, though. Mm. Like my kids and my wife and my family and friends as well have been really, really good going, how's it going? I said, look, it's shit. They're going, yeah, look, anything we can do. And I've got, my biggest problem was I lost all my staff. I had yeah. brilliant staff for the last 10, 15 years. Well, look, Glenn, um, unfortunately, we're out of time, but... Uh, just to remind people that you are still in business and you are providing uh, services. Again. Yeah, you're building yeah. again and the show must go on and will go on and you'll be I back. The, the greatest show, man, the show must go on. And without entertainment in Ireland, we just have to have entertainment. And as I say, anyone's listening, support local small businesses like us. You have to. That's the only way to do it. Absolutely. Well, Glenn, thanks a million. And you can check out uh, Sonics online. That's Sonics with an X, online.com. That's uh, Glenn's uh, business. Glenn Tector, thanks a million. Thank you, John. Okay, talk to you again. Um, That was Glenn Tector. Coming up, we're going to be talking about health and safety. And when you do come back, keeping it safe. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice, www.omf.ie. You're very welcome back. You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock. Now, uh, the world of work has changed un- to be unrecognisable over the last uh, 18 months or so. And uh, despite what may happen with the return of hospitality over the next couple of weeks, it seems sure that people will start going back into offices uh, and working uh, maybe even on a blended basis uh, more in offices in in the future and this of course has many implications for health and safety. Now Kilkenny Chamber of Commerce is hosting a training course on July the 1st next which is going to feature an input uh, by experienced uh, health and safety professional Emer Gaffney who's managing director of Carrig Safety Consultants and Emer joins me on the line this morning. Good morning Emer. Good morning, how are you? Very well thanks. Now um, I was saying there that health and safety has uh, changed irrevocably over the last couple of uh, months and years indeed and um, before the uh, break we were talking about you know the return of events and corporate events the landscape changed totally what are the responsibilities now of people who are looking at organizing events before we touch on returning to offices and so on and um, we're just briefly on 
I suppose looking at events and um, one of the main things that they have to look at is the capacity um, and that's being deemed really with the, the size of the the area or the stadium that they're using so for outside events um, come kind of July the 5th they're talking about um, maybe a max of 500 but that is with a venue that has a minimum minimum capacity of 5,000 um, individuals in it so you can see that the amount of individuals that they're letting in is, is quite small in comparison to what the, the capacity of the venue is. And the other thing that they'd have to look at is, um, you know, contact tracing. Um, are they all have they all kind of registered first? Um, is there a way of what way are they entering and, and exiting the the event? Um, how much kind of where, where's the high touch points? Where's the footfall in common areas? And um, that sort of thing. It's it's pretty much the same across all kind of industries in relation to controlling um, and reopening prior to our, since COVID. Yeah, now um, we, we want to talk in more detail about offices because yeah. September is a mooted date for people to start uh, coming back to offices, but presumably businesses need to start planning for that now. What do they need to put on the list to do initially? Well, my advice would be to, at this present moment, start engaging with your staff and start discussing with them um, what the new office is going to look like because the, it's completely changed. It won't be the same landscape that they were in prior to COVID happening. So talk about their fears, talk about their expectations, um, talk about what um, you know policies are in place for, for sick um, and for COVID, you know, uh, COVID symptoms. Um, maybe even do a Zoom with your staff to show the new layout and, and how it's all going to look because you're going to have probably decals, lots of um, information posters. There's going to be hand sanitizer units. You'll probably have signs for meeting rooms where now you're going to have a max cap- capacity of maybe two individuals, where before that would have held, you know, quite considerably um, large numbers. Um, you are probably going to have to talk to them as well about scheduled lunching um, and again what what you have in place in relation to entering the building um, is it that you are going to get your temperature taken do you have to sign in is it going to be done hands free or do you have to sanitise um, items as you're finished using them for the next individual yeah because while some people have worked throughout and here in KCLR we've had many people who've who've stayed in and had to work throughout from the offices equally we've large amount of the team who haven't been in at all really and it, they're coming back to a total transformed environment and those environments have to remain socially distanced uh, you know whether people are vaccinated or not so lay out big big challenges with the organization of blended working there is and it should be looked at and how it's going to be tackled um, so even for you like if you were in you've been in the, the station and you've been working but again additional people coming in is going to put you kind of maybe feeling a little bit uneasy um, because you've got used to the system that you have already um, so definitely uh, looking at how you're going to do a rotor system um, explain to people how that's going to work um, explain to them about you know partitioning two meter distancing is very important indoors um, good ventilation systems again about windows being opened doors being open all that has to be explained to them um, if they haven't been in the office 
since COVID happened. Yeah, now you mentioned ventilation there. COVID is, of course, an airborne uh, infection. There are bits of kit people can actually get to give them a warning uh, if something is amiss or if the air conditions or atmospheric conditions are likely to be conducive to the spread. Tell us about that. There is. There is high-level um, efficiency air filters. and um, we You can go and they can cost anything from a few thousand to a few hundred. So just to give you an idea, like even the... Not that I'm... I'm selling a brand or anything but even home appliances like the Dyson um, air purifier that has apps uh, on it that can go onto computers and give alarms if the air quality drops to a certain point and it tells you then to start opening windows um, and opening doors and get more ventilation into a room um, obviously there's you know more expensive um, kits that will have like a an iodizing kind of unit on it that it will kill the virus um, throughout the day mm-hmm. and that's kept in during the day but really if you're looking at them you need to look at the square footage that you have to protect and then make sure that you get a unit that gives you coverage for that square footage. Yeah now before COVID uh, people with sniffles and colds are feeling a bit as they'd say under the weather often battled through it um, that's no longer possible. No, them days are gone um, and that's what employers really need to work on with their staff as well to make sure that if you are unwell, if you feel that you have a temperature, if you feel that you have any way sniffles, that it's okay to work from home. It doesn't mean that you have to take a day off sick because we can all, we're all set up now that we can do home working to a certain extent. Um, but coming in um, to an office and spreading a virus in the current climate is not advisable. So there has have to be clear sick policies in place. Also, some offices have brought in to place, again, it's an internal matter, um, where you have to wear your mask during the day. Um, mm. Some companies have that if you're sitting at your desk, you can take it off, but obviously moving around, the mask has to go back on again. So yeah, no. it's mm. look at what your staff feel comfortable with, look at what control measures you want to do, make sure that you can actually implement them. There's no point in putting all these control measures in place if nobody can actually implement them and supervise that they're being done. So make sure that's reasonable to the risk that you're working with and that you do have the resources to make sure that they can be implemented. Okay, Emer, that's all we've got time for at the moment. That's Emer Gaffney, Managing Director of Carrick Safety Consultants. Uh, next Thursday, Emer is giving an online health and safety training event on returning to work and that's in association with Kilkenny Chamber of Commerce and you can book through the Kilkenny Chamber of Commerce office. Thanks for that, Eamor. Thanks so much. Yes, indeed. Uh, you're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business. It's just a little over 14 minutes away from 10 o'clock. John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock. Just a text in uh, in relation to that. Uh, the texter says, John, working indoors is not all about office environment. People have been working indoors in manufacturing since the start of COVID and you don't need a consultant to do the right thing. Absolutely no, not. But it's always good to train and upskill and emer through uh, Kilkenny Chamber is providing a training course next week. Also another text in saying thank you to Glenn who came to our aid with his screens. Much appreciated during COVID. Big thanks. Uh, Castle Gardens Medical Practice and good to hear that uh, Glenn Tector getting some good reviews for the service that his uh, business provides. Now uh, I mentioned at the top of the programme that uh, while shops and retail premises are reopening uh, scammers and shoplifters are also back in business and 
uh, the Carlow Town Business Watch are out and about today with the Gardaí. Trying to sign up local businesses to a local network. We'll be talking to Jerry Dunn, who's the chairperson of Carlow Town Business Watch, in a moment. But first, joining me, hopefully on the line, is Garda Darren Leahy, uh, who's community from the Community Policing Unit. Good morning, Darren. Uh, good morning, John. How are you? Good. Before we get into uh, the nuts and bolts of Carlow Town Business Watch, can you just give us kind of an update of the main types of crime uh, that retailers and people with shops need to be on the lookout for? Yeah, certainly, John. Um, well, I suppose, first and foremost, with uh, the businesses uh, being back open in the last couple of weeks, uh, first, it's great to see that. But with that, uh, we'll, as you said there in your prelude, we'll bring back uh, the likes of opportunistic um, criminals who will try and commit offences and, and thefts in certain stores. So, generally, uh, what we see is your general uh, shoplifted instance where a person will go into a particular store uh, and take uh, items, whatever they may be. Um, and in recent times, we are seeing a, an increase in um, fraud incidents where uh, persons will go in with possibly counterfeit notes uh, or they'll try and um, mix up staff in there with uh, change, change scams, which we've seen an increase as well, unfortunately, in recent times. So what we'd say to people and generally to the, the business people uh, locally uh, is just be vigilant to that. Um, and our advice as well is not to take um, money over the counter of someone you know that you feel maybe is acting suspicious and is looking to um, change money um, and look for for changing the money over the counter. We, we would advise against that and just be vigilant and, and report anything suspicious yeah. to the Gardaí that, that, that you feel uh, is merited. And are there telltale signs, uh, Darren, you know, or does it happen in waves or does it happen on particular days of the week or is it always there every day of the week retailers um, need to be on the it, lookout? It, 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 it's difficult to say but our advice would be to for people to be there uh, looking out all the time really because uh, I suppose a crime can happen any place, any time, any day. Um, so again, our, our advice to the, the business people is just be vigilant. Uh, and, and you know, if you're a manager in a store, maybe let your make your staff aware of it. Uh, and again, just be on the lookout for suspicious activity uh, and persons that may be trying to, um, I suppose, engage in the likes of uh, change scams and fraudulent activity. And I suppose again, it's just about having your premises secure, you know, the small things uh, that make it harder on a criminal, for example, just making your C- making sure your CCTV is in working order, um, if you have maybe staff security on, on a premise at a particular time, uh, and just making sure that um, small things you can do to make it harder on a criminal who will come into your premises to try and uh, take or steal something, um, that you have everything that you can do possibly in place. Yeah, you mentioned uh, you mentioned their change scams. Uh, tell us about that. I, I understand they're kind of an increasing um, menace for retailers. Yeah, unfortunately. So it's uh, where a person maybe will come into a, a particular store and they will try and maybe buy something for, um, for argument's sake, maybe 50 euro, and they will take out maybe a lot of cash and try and um, maybe hand the teller 60 euro and then tell them that they gave them 40 euro and, and it's just generally trying to mix up the, the cashier to try mm. and uh, get extra change or extra uh, money back from what they've purchased is basically what it is so um, it's just to be aware of that and we, we have seen a, uh, an increase in it I suppose in recent times where people will come in and yeah, it, it could be where um, distraction tests as well where a, a person can come in and maybe try, try and talk to a staff member or a cashier uh, to try and get their attention and while someone else then is in the store that they're working together maybe trying to take an item off the shelf 
or, or something like that. So again, just just be mindful of that, I suppose we'd say to business people that if someone does come in and they feel that they maybe are acting a bit suspicious and they're asking you questions to maybe get your attention away from where we, you would be normally looking at maybe the shop floor or shelves or something like that, that these incidents can happen where people would come in and maybe twos or trees uh, and act, I suppose, as a joint enterprise together. So to just be, I suppose, mindful of that as well. So stay on your guard. Very good advice. Yeah, and you're, guard, yeah. yeah you're out and about today with Carlo Town Business Watch and after the break we'll be talking to uh, Jerry Dunn so for the moment thanks to you that's Garda Darren Lahey uh, from the Community Policing Unit in uh, Carlo one further question for you Darren is it Lahey or Leahy? Uh, it'd be Lahey, Lahey at home in Kilkenny, all right. Be, be here, good man, sorry, sorry for that. No uh, <laughs> Darren Lahey um, from the Community Policing Unit in Carlow Town. Don't go away, we're going to be talking to Jerry Dunn uh, from the Carlow Town Business Watch next about what they're doing to get businesses together to combat the problem. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice, www.onf.ie. Before the break, we were talking to Garda Darren Lahey, uh, who's part of the Carlow Town Business Watch presence in the potato market today because uh, Carlow Town Business Watch are out and about on a recruitment drive to sign up new members for their community initiative. And joining me on the line is Jerry Dunn, who's chairperson of Carlow Town Business Watch. And we spoke to Jerry, of course, previously on the programme about his own uh, study business. Jerry, um, you're chairman of this initiative. Tell us about it. Good morning, John, and thanks for having us on. Uh, well, the business watch, really, John, is very simple. It's about protecting your business, and it's about business owners taking responsibility for their own businesses. And uh, we have a business watch initiative on a, on WhatsApp, so that when somebody comes into your business who's threatening your business from the point of view of theft or shoplifting or whatever else, you simply put up a message and say there's uh, a person in there. Obviously, you don't identify them, even if, you, you know, yeah. um, you just describe them. And the Guardi are on this as well. And we have had quite a number of successes where the Guardi got the message straight away, along with all the other people in, on the system. And uh, people were uh, brought into custody and dealt with. Yeah, saving businesses money and nabbing some of the yeah. bad boys and girls yeah. who get up to this kind of stuff. It's really good, and you're looking for more members. We are looking for more members. We're looking for everyone to sign up because we started this in October 2019 and we had about five months of a run it before COVID hit us. And um, we have been on hold ever since. Now, we were uh, on Emer's show uh, just before Christmas when we were uh, out of lockup for a while, or lockdown for a while, rather. And uh, we uh, are back in action again now trying to promote uh, protecting your own business as a, a, a real way of looking after your business because... Now the shops are open, now the shoppers are back, now the people are circulating again more than they were. There's uh, a, a concurrent risk of having people coming in who are going to try and steal or shoplift or whatever else. So uh, we're promoting um, people to join uh, Carlo Biz- Town Business Watch, uh, come along beyond the, the WhatsApp system. You're part of a community that protects themselves, that protects each other, and the Guardi are involved in it. So... Um, and all it costs is a sign-up fee of €20. Euro. There are no ongoing costs. There are no ongoing demands for money. Uh, and uh, messages go out on the WhatsApp system to everybody, and everybody sees it at the same time. So it's a pretty cost-effective 
itself. Security um, initiative. A security initiative, exactly, uh, for retailers and commercial um, uh, entities to look after their businesses and to also uh, spread the news around that there is that there is something in place here. Stay away from Carlo because you get caught if you come here. Excellent. Well, look, best of luck to you today, Jerry. That's uh, Jerry Dunn, who's chairperson of the Carlo Town Business Watch. Good morning, and you're out and about for the rest of the day. Or Thanks the morning. very much, John. Okay. Bye-bye. That's uh, Jerry Dunn. Uh, Chairperson of Carlo Town Business Watch bringing this version of the bottom line t- to a close for this week. Remember, you can check us out on the app, KCLR's app, or listen to any of the podcasts. Search for the bottom line on KCLR on Apple, Google Play, or Spotify. To- thanks to all our guests this week Samantha McCochran, Glenn Tector, Emer Gaffney, Jerry Dunn, and Garda Darren Lahey. Thanks to Deirdre Drummy, who produces the show. Thanks to you for listening. We'll be back next week just after the nine o'clock news with more stories foreign about business in the meantime i hope you have a great week and enjoy the lovely summer weather stay tuned in to kclr and stay safe keep it local keep your distance and keep the faith the bottom line on kclr with john purcell brought to you with thanks to o'neill foley accountants now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business www.omf.ie